May be seated. We're, um, like I said, for the next few weeks, we're going to be dealing with the God questions. Uh, it's kind of funny outside, Caleb thought I was going to start with, is God real? But no, uh, that wasn't where I was starting. I actually looked at the, all the questions that people have probably ever asked God, and, and hands down, the number one question that people ask is, why is there suffering in the world? If there's a God, why is there suffering in the world? And we're going to be looking at that today, and we're going to be examining that. I sent out an email Friday that kind of had a statement in there regarding this, and I'd like for us, uh, we'll look at that in just a moment, but just before we get started, we got a video to show right here. divine spirit or, or energy out there that is, that is good or bad? I don't think God is good and uh, there may be suffering because it's not exactly fully believable in Shah's word. Because if everything was always happy then we'd have nothing to compare it to and then happiness wouldn't be as happy. I really think God is good. Um, it's a lot of suffering in the world behind that uh, because of the way how people make their life out to be. See, if God does exist, then it makes sense that, I don't know, there would be some suffering because, you know, a little bit of good might come out of everything. Uh, give you that experience, it would help you with something similar or more difficult in the future. I believe that there needs to be a balance between good and bad in this life because you cannot have an access of one thing over another. God is good and I believe there's suffering in the world because not all people follow the word of God. Also just to see the good, to help see the good and if there's only good things then you'd never you'd just take it for granted. Excuse me. Well, why is there suffering in the world? Caleb, pull up this first quote that I have for today. And I want us all to kind of look at this and read this. And that is, if God is all-knowing, then he is aware of everything that goes on. Would you believe that? If God's all-knowing, he's aware of everything that goes on. If he is all-powerful, then he can prevent or correct anything bad. And if he is completely loving, then he cares about everything that goes on. So when you put those three things together, you ask, so why is there suffering in the world? We believe in, you know, I believe that God is an all-knowing God. He sees everything. I do believe that God has is is definitely got the power to change things. And I also believe that God is loving. Man, God is love. We wouldn't even know love if there wasn't God in our life. But you know, most people take this question, why is there suffering in the world? And they kind of view God as a two out of three kind of God. Okay, he might be two of these things, but he's not the other one. And let me give you an illustration of this. And I give it this way. If God knows or sees all, 
and is all-powerful, well then, why doesn't God take care of this suffering over here that's going on in my life? If he, if he sees what's going on, and he's all-powerful, and he's able to do something about it, then, then the conclusion is drawn by some people is that then God just doesn't care. He just doesn't care about what's going on in my life because he sees it, and he's got the power to do something about it, but he's not doing it, so that must mean he doesn't care about me. And then here's the second view. The second view, well, is if God is all-powerful and he's all-loving, well, then he must not really see what's going on in my life. He's, he's an all-powerful God. He's an all-loving God, but obviously he must have checked out for the moment or he's on a break or something. He doesn't realize what's happening to me right now. Anybody ever felt like that? You know, or, hey, does God see what's happening in my life right now? And then here's the third view. If God is all-loving and he is all-knowing, so God loves and God sees, well, then what is it? Does, does God lack the power to change this? Does God lack the power to change this situation? or what I'm going through in my life right now. Well, option number one leaves us with a scary God. That's <laughs> a scary God. Because you got a God that doesn't love, doesn't have compassion. And folks, that's a scary God. And option number two gives us a blind God. He doesn't see. He doesn't, he's not aware of what's going on in our lives. And then option number three brings us a weak God. In other words, God... He, he might have been powerful at one time, but you know God's old now. He, he's like a great, 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 great grandfather, and he doesn't have any more power. And so that's, that's the third view. Well, listen, I want to share it to you today. You may have felt this way on some of these things, but the reality and the truth and the fact of all of it is this. God is an all-loving God. God is an all-powerful God, and God is an all-seeing God. Amen? He is all of these. He sees and he knows exactly what's going on. And so the question comes back up then, well, why is there suffering in the world? Why am I going through this in my life right now? Why, why is there, you know, if God's God and he is, why are there, you know, people starving all over the world? We heard that in one of the questions from the kids last week. Well, let me give you some truth right here. And, and it's found, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of Job. What God has done is he's given us the book of Job in the Bible to help answer the question of why is there suffering in the world. He's given us the book of Job. Now listen, y'all. Job is, I've read Job many times, but the story of Job is, is one of the most devastating things I've ever read in the life of an individual in one given day. I have, um, I remember going to speak at a prison one time, and I, I uh, titled the message, Preached Out of Job, but I titled it, You Think You've Had a Bad Day. Well, when I shared Job's story, you know, Job was a man God blessed in many ways. Job had a lot of, he had a lot of sheep, thousands of sheep. He had thousands of camels. And then he had, you know, he had the donkeys and female donkeys. And he had, he was wealthy. 
But Job also had a wife, and he had seven sons and three daughters. And y'all, in a matter of one day, in one day, Job lost it all. God, God uh, allowed this to happen in his life. God was aware of what was going on, but who was the one that got behind all of this to affect Job? It was none other than Satan himself who came to God and talked to God. And God basically brought it up uh, and said, Hey, have you considered my servant Job? He's blameless. He's blameless. And then the devil said, Oh, you got a hedge around him. Let me take that hedge down. And we'll see if he's a blameless man. Well, in one day, he lost all of his wealth, his possessions, and he lost ten children in one day. Now, I don't know how y'all would respond to that, folks, but you would have to probably put me in the loony bin. Okay, you, I, they'd probably take me to Milledgeville and put, get me a room, and I'd be there for a while. I'm just, I, I, that's probably, I'm saying that, but how did Job respond? Job responded up there in the end of chapter 1. He said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And through all of that, the, at the end of that chapter, it said through all of this that Job did not blame God through it all. So the answer number one that I'm getting to today is in this book of Job. Answer one is who's to blame? Why is there suffering in the world? Who's to blame? Who are we going to blame for this? Job could have easily turned and blamed God, but he didn't. And here's the, here's the dynamics that's going on in Job's in the book of Job. See, God's dealing with, in spiritual areas, with the devil here, and things are happening here on earth. But listen, Job is not aware of all of that's going on. He just knows what just happened in this day, on this given day in his life. And he's having to deal with it. So that happened, and then the devil comes back to God and, and says, Oh, okay, he's walking around again. Well, have you considered my servant Job? And what happens? He says, Oh, yeah, he didn't curse you, but you let me touch him, his body now. You let me touch his body, and we'll see what happens. And so God says, Hey, you can have him, you just can't kill him. And so soars from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Boils all over him to where he, he was taking a, and scraping the stuff off because of all of the pain and the sores and the boils that were happening in his body. And so, who's to blame? Who's to blame for all this? And finally, in the heat of this moment, after going through everything that had happened, Job's wife raises a question. And she, and she raises it up, who's to blame? But she told Job, okay, here's the thing. Just go ahead and find it here in chapter 2, verse, I believe it's verse 9. His wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. So this is what Job's wife instructed him to do. Job, just go ahead and get this over with. Curse God and die. Let's get this over with. Look how Job responded. Verse 10. 
He said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? And in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. That's powerful, y'all. That is, that to me shows the integrity of this man by the name of Job. A godly, blameless man in his life. So who's to blame? You know, there are a lot of people that, that say that, that they don't believe in God. I've been out there with people going, oh, there is no God, and I don't believe in God. But listen, when something bad happens, a lot of them want to blame God. And isn't it amazing that people that don't believe him want to blame him? They do. And isn't it amazing that almost everybody assumes that when suffering comes that it is God who is the one who caused it? Or people even, I was in the insurance business for years, and something would happen, and, and on the policy it was written, an act of God. <laughs> okay? And so I'm sitting there going, well, this storm, this, if you had to write this one up, if I had to be the underwriter and write out this policy, I would have had to go back, well, who was the cause of all of this? And it was none other than the enemy, the devil himself, was the one who caused all this to happen in Job's life. And so who's to blame? Who's to blame is the first thing. I hope that you will be like me. People respond in two different ways. It's either bitterness or blame. But they don't, but the other response, the final one is, okay, God, I'm going to respond in integrity. Can I just, we're not only going to accept bad things. We want to accept good things as well as bad Wow. That's strong, isn't it? I mean, you think about it. There may be some of you in this room that have lost a child before. And I, as a pastor, I've been with families that have lost a child. It's one of the hardest things I've ever seen. And for a family to go through the death of a little one, an infant. And it is, it is emotionally hard. It is just very tough through the, through the time. But to lose all ten in one day. You mothers that have carried your children, your, that bond that you have, your da you dads that have loved your children and have that relationship, I mean, how would, it, how would we respond? I mean, you think about the depths of what Job must have been feeling here in this moment. And so God doesn't, leave this story out. God gives us this story to reveal to us some things about the suffering that's going to take place in this world. Jesus said, in fact, in John, he said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So let's move on. That's answer number, number one is, who's to blame? Well, here's answer number two to why there's so much suffering in the world. And it comes, it's found as this. So it's my fault. So it must be my fault that I'm suffering. I must have done something wrong. It has to be my fault that I'm going through this. And we find this in the book of Job from chapter 4 to all the way to uh, chapter 37. Uh, Job has three friends. They are Bildad, uh, they're Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. 
I'm going to just call them E, B, and Z, okay? He has three friends, E, B, and Z, just their first letter. And you know, these guys started out pretty good because it says right here in the Bible that once they heard what Job was going through, that they made an appointment together, found there in verse 11, to come and to sympathize with him and to comfort Job. So they had good intentions to start with, these three friends of his. And, but, you know, the situation was so bad that when they saw Job off in a distance, they didn't even hardly recognize him. And he was in such bad shape that they tore their clothes as a sign of, of uh, seeing just remorse and repentance and a sign of hurt that was going on in this, their friend's life. And so they tore their clothes and they began to throw ashes upon them. And then the Bible says they sat, sat there with him for seven days. Didn't say a word. For seven days they just sat with Job and didn't say a word. Have you ever been or gotten news or have had to experience such a painful suffering moment in your life to where you have no words? You have no words. I have no words that I can even say to this situation. I've been in several situations before as a pastor that I've experienced in ministry to where I had no words at that time because there wasn't anything to be said. But I did have a presence, or at least I had a touch. But these guys started out right. They, they were there. They were comforting. They just sat there with him for seven days. You know, and I, this is kind of one of the things I know I've gone to many places, and, and a lot of people will come up to say something to you, and they think they're saying the right thing, but they're really saying something that hurts you. Have you ever, anybody ever felt that before? Somebody comes up and says, oh, oh, okay, brother or sister, I know exactly how you feel with what you're going through. And you go, you're sitting there going, you don't have any idea how I feel. You don't understand how I feel. And that's why I'd never even go there. Because I don't have a clue. I may have, you may have lost a child, I may have lost a child. But I don't know how you feel. You don't know how I feel. Why? Because of the relationship we have to those two children. Some are deeper, some are stronger, some are weaker. But you hear my point. The point is sometimes people say things that, even trying to comfort, that can hurt. And so these three guys began to do that. For these next several chapters, they began to talk to Job and basically said, you know what, the righteous people don't suffer. Good people don't have this kind of thing happen to them. And, and, and then dialogue kept going. Job would get frustrated back at him, and Job was like, listen, I ain't done anything wrong. I have checked the inventory. There's nothing there. Who's... who's fault is this? And so these guys keep dialoguing back to him and they finally conclude and said, Job, it's your fault. You must have sinned somewhere. It's your, you're to blame. You're the one. It's your fault. This is why this has all happened to you. Face it, Job, you sinned. Well, Job had not sinned through any of this. He had been blameless. And so God ends up dealing with these guys later on at the end of the book of Job because he told them, hey, 
they had given some bad advice and, and they basically owed Job an apology for what they said. But that's the answer too, so it's my fault. This past week we talked, I remember being in the home at the Bells and, and Marcia, you shared something that's exactly right in line with this scripture today. There's a story in the book of John to where there was a one that had an illness and they came and they said to the one that had the sickness, who's to blame for this? Is it his, his parents have sinned or is it him that has sinned? And remember what Jesus said in that story? He said, neither. It is for that the glory of God would be seen in the healing of this process. No one was to be blamed. What had happened in Job's life he wasn't to be blamed for it. He had not sinned. Even though his friends laid out a plan indicating that he had. But through it all, let's get to the final answer. Answer three. And that is God's perspective. So we go from who's to blame, so it's my fault. And then finally, God's perspective. God rebukes Job's friends for lack of compassion at the end of the book. He, said, he told them, you owe Job an apology. And from chapters 38 to 41, God answers Job in a way that puts the question into perspective. Chapters 38 to 41. And if you have a moment this afternoon, go read them. I looked through it uh, several times this week, but the one thing that sticks out is how many questions that Job turned around, I mean that God turned around and asked Job. Go over to chapter 38, and I want you to just see uh, just the, the initial one that he said to him. Job chapter 38. Look down there. We'll start at verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkness counsels by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. Hmm. Verse 4. Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. That was just the beginning. And Sit, throughout the next several chapters, he asked repeatedly, question after question, to Job. But he, under, he, he started it with, Job, where were you when I started it all? In other words, this was a thing showing Job, Job, there is a God, and it's not you, Job. God is God. And Job is a man. And God was laying out his perspective of why there's going to be suffering in this world. We all know why suffering exists because it goes all the way back to the fall. And it goes back to, the, to that time. But we also know this. That aren't you glad that you have a God that has suffered in every way that we could possibly suffer but yet without sin. That's what comforts me today in knowing, is that I have a God that has been through it. Look what Jesus endured on the cross. Look what Jesus did by being despised, spit upon, 
and beaten and bruised and pierced and wounded. And by his many stripes that he was beaten, we can claim healing because of that beating that took place. Our God has suffered. Our God understands. Our God has been there. Amen? He knows what it's like. So God's perspective is, I see what's going on, but you have to trust me through this process. Because if I owe, own you, I bought you and I paid for you, then you have to trust me in this journey. Do we really believe that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose? That's Romans 8, 28. Do we really believe it? Well, the time comes that we have to live it. We have to live it. Only when we see the problem of pain and suffering from the perspective of God can we hope to find a true, whole, sense-making answer. Hal Seed, who had written the God Questions book, he, uh, he said this, and I think it's a very wise observation. He said, when suffering hits someone I love, I want an explanation. When suffering hits someone I love, I want an explanation. God, why is this happening? Why are we going through this? Isn't that normal? Isn't that natural that people do? Why? But when it hits me, I want comfort. That's, this was a quote from Hal Seed. He said, after many years of thinking about it, when, when suffering hits someone I love, I want an explanation. But when it hits me, I just want to be comforted by God. And the truth is, and I love what else he said. He, he said, from the fact that, from God's perspective, why we go through what we go through sometime, we'll never understand in this life. But he said it this way. If God is God, and he is, 99.9% .9 of the explanation would be over our heads anyway. That's a great quote. If God tried to explain to Job everything he was going through and why he had to go through whatever he went through. Most of it would be over his head anyway because God is God and his mind is so far greater than our minds and his understanding is so far greater than our understanding. We wouldn't know. I've said it this way. That's beyond my pay grade. Okay? It's beyond me. It's beyond my pay grade. I don't, I don't understand. Okay? But why is there suffering? There's the three answers. Who's to blame? It's my fault. Or God's perspective. God, what is it that you're trying to do? And I come back to the answer of, it's not no one to blame over here. It's not the mother. It's not even his own fault. It's so that the glory of God can be revealed in my life. Wow. You know, this Friday night we had the kids over, our grandboys, and they were there playing, and, and we had a good time. And then Saturday morning came, and they, they're learning Bible verses back there, and they're quoting it. And the verses were, last week was, a harsh word stirs up anger, and, but a soft answer turns away wrath. And, and my little ones were quoting it. I mean, 
Caden 5 was quoting it. Judah was quoting it. And I turned to Caden because I knew Judah didn't have a clue. I said, Caden, you know what that means? And he said, I don't know. And I said, well, let me give you an illustration. And so I yelled at Gigi with a harsh word. And Caden did like that. Judah went. He'd never heard me raise my voice like that. But then Gigi, Angie, came over, and she returned my harsh word with a gentle answer. So we lived out the verse right in front of them. And you know, it's one thing, oh, it's one thing to know a verse. But it's a whole different thing to live out a verse and to have to live through the suffering. For the last six years, I had been coaching up at BCA in their golf team. And this past week, we qualified for state on Monday. Don't know how we did, but we did. We pulled it out. But we, I had my final few practices this past, in the evening times this past week. And the other coach asked me to pray a blessing on the team on Thursday. Because I couldn't there in state down in Jekyll. I mean, at Brunswick this weekend, and I can't be there. But I thought I was going to be okay, but when I prayed over them, I got choked up. And... Um, just emotion from the week and things going on. And I just thank God for being able to invest six years with those kids. And then, uh, you know, I get out to the truck. And what really hit me was it was coming back to my boy. Being, you know, ending a time with him and his golf. And, but even though he's still going on, it was just a closing of one chapter of my life and the opening of another. And so I'm a sentimental old fool, and I get emotional, and, and you see it sometimes, but I just started just crying right there at the Pine Hills Golf Course parking lot. And I'm just crying, and I'm like, why am I crying? And just, it was just coming out. And then I get in my truck. And I get on Hog Mountain Road 53 going toward 316, and I no sooner get a minute down the road, and there has been a collision right there in front of River Hills Church. And so I pull, a, I pull around it. I go right up. A guy's yelling for me to come help. The car is smoking. So we carry a guy out, a 28-year-old guy, out of the car. And I've got his legs. He's got the under the arms, and we carry him away so the car doesn't catch on fire and, and blow up. So I go from that moment to that moment, and then I stayed right there with this guy named Jeff until the, my, my fire paramedics got there and they showed up. I stayed there, and there was a nurse that lived across the subdivision, heard it, and she came. She worked at Athens Regional, and this guy's leg was broken, and it was one of the bad ones. I'm not going to describe it because it would make you queasy. But I, I stayed there, and I just talked to him. And I left that scene after that, of, and I was like, how quickly things can change. Because that could have been one of my boys that had just left the golf course headed that way. Or it could have been me. But this, the fella, we had to keep talking to him because he was in shock. 
Some of y'all will know, if you remember when Lawrence Taylor hit Joe Theismann and, and broke his leg, remember what that looked like years ago on Monday Night Football? Well, it was that kind of break. And so we were just trying to keep him conscious. And so I ended up leaving that, and I said, God, we never know what one day in one moment can bring us. Praying a prayer, and then five minutes later, holding a fella that was suffering and crying out to God. And I told him, I said, boy, you covered. You got a nurse here, and you got a chaplain. So either way, you covered, son. You covered. And so... We never know. Some of us this week got news that hits you. Unexpected. Why? And here's the deal. God be glorified in my life. No matter what. Be glorified. Let's follow Job's example. It's easier to hear it said from someone than to live it. But let's look to Job and may our faith be increased today. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that I may not ever have all my why questions answered, but I have my who question answered. And God, I used to ask so many whys before I even came to faith in you until my brother said to me one day, Mike, why don't you just believe? Why don't you just have faith? And Lord, I thank you for a brother who challenged me with that question because I said, you're right. We can never figure you out, God. But your perspective is the only one that really matters. And Job, at the end of his time, after you had talked to him, Job responded with, oh Lord, you're right. You're right, God. Your understanding is so great. And Job recognized who you are, and he repented in ashes. And so, Lord, you turned around and you blessed him in a way that doubled. So, Father, I just pray for whoever is in this room and is going through a time in their life, and maybe this message today has spoken to them, and maybe the life of Job has spoken to them. God, we want to be able to say, as, as we sung earlier today, it is well with my soul. It's well. No matter what, it's well with my soul. God, may you be glorified and lifted up. In Jesus' name, I pray.